Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Divers and Cheats, Episode 4. My name is Carter Kushner, your host. Thank you for joining us today live on Ravel.tv. Uh, you can always podcast our show via iTunes, the World of Soccer Talk stream, and via our friends at Ravel.tv. I'm joined today by Ken Mendonca, the former public relations director for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, uh, does a number of other things around the soccer world, and we're going to talk a little bit about MLS and NASL today. It's been a lot of hubris, a lot of things coming out of the mouth, mouths of NASL commissioner Bill Peterson in the last few weeks and out of Cosmos under Seamus O'Brien. And they've all been in the foreign press, interestingly enough. At the same time, I think most of us see that some of their critiques of, of, of MLS, some of the critiques of MLS that we get from fans of the NASL are quite valid. But before I bring Ken in here and begin discussing this topic, both of which were very well worked person because we both worked in the North American Soccer League. I want to read the mission statement of the NASL from the 2012 media guide. Now, after a little bit of discussion of the Joma Matchball and the NASL franchises, or NASL teams, clubs, this is the, the passage in the NASL media guide. The NESL serving as this region's second division does not have a system of relegation and promotion with the officially recognized first division, MLS, and third division, USL Pro, nor is there an official working relationship between MLS and NASL. However, in addition to the Montreal impact, a number of recent second division men's professional clubs have gone on to compete in MLS after successfully building a team and fan base at the NASL level. The current MLS clubs, Seattle Sounders, Portland Timbers, Vancouver Whitecaps, and now Montreal Impact all played D2 soccer prior to entry into MLS. Player movement between the leagues is facilitated by a strong working relationship at the team levels, and the NASL is also working with MLS at the league level to employ standards designed to foster player health and safety. That was in 2012. What happened subsequently to that was, Ken, as I bring you in, perhaps the addition of the New York Cosmos, which kind of changed the landscape and also changed some of the types of people who were following MLS, uh, uh, excuse me, following NASL on a weekly basis. So, Ken, I'm going to bring you in here now. Um, yeah, so my theory on this, Ken, is that the New York Cosmos, the addition of the New York Cosmos to the North American Soccer League in 2012 completely changed the conversation to where there was previously 
uh, a spirit of cooperation within the divisions in U.S. soccer. There was a, an understanding that that second division, and I have to say this quite frankly, no insult to USL, second division was a mess when the NASL started. And by 2012, you were working for Florida. I was working at the league level. I really felt we had begun to stabilize second division. Teams weren't folding left and right, even though we lost Puerto Rico after that season. And uh, there seemed to be um, the, the, the semblance of stability. I wouldn't say that NASL was stable by any stretch of the imagination, but it was more stable and seemed more professional in the way it was being run than USL had previously. But now, just three years later, it, it, it seems to be a completely different situation where nobody wants to be second division. Um, the, the NASL won't even acknowledge players who go to MLS. We talk about it in our mission statement in the media guide that we are developing players and teams for MLS and working with them. Three years later, you have a guy like Poku on New York City FC, and NASL won't even acknowledge his accomplishments in in New York. Whenever somebody, if somebody tries to take a, an opposing standpoint, they can be shouted down as uh, as a league apologist or favoring this league or that league. Um, I I think as an American soccer fan and as a person who wants to see the growth of the game in the United States, that simply put, anytime a, a club gets into business and is seen as a threat by another league or by another club, that's beneficial. That's the type of that's the type of business that we want happening in the United States. That's the type of thing that causes. Uh, success businesses, uh, successful businesses to thrive and bad business models to fail. They are a, a largely independent team, uh, even independent of the NASL, where uh, for a long time, and as has come to light through recent uh, news stories and so forth, the link between Traffic Sports USA and the NASL, uh, the causes are outside of that. Uh, they may have been they may have been sold on the idea of joining the NASL by traffic sports, but they're still largely independent of that entity, and there's nothing there for them to, uh, for, for anyone to say that the Cosmos are, you know, a lap dog or, or anything of, of that kind. Um, right. And in many ways, a lot of people, a lot of the NASL people probably thought it was, you know, why are the Cosmos coming in to the NASL when they really had nothing to do with the type of, uh, the type of business that the NASL wanted to, was was attempting to do or looked like they were trying to do by some of the older soccer guard um, among among NASL operations people or front office types. Um, I think uh, you look at the success that the Cosmos have had right off the bat within the league and with the types of moves that they're making. It's hard to really it's hard to really question the success. When it's when it's happening, well, well, now, right, 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 right. But I mean, but they're getting, I mean, they're getting all these articles in the in the foreign press camp. But they get three thousand people a game. They get four thousand people a game. They're not, they're not anywhere at, at an MLS level. They're not even at a, a high NASL level from attendance standpoint. Yeah, well, you have to you have to sort of walk before you you know you have to crawl before you can walk or That's run. True. That's true. Uh, people look at people may not know, but a lot of teams in the Brazilian first division struggle with attendance, uh, especially on non-rivalry games or, or non, non-derbies. You, you look at uh, regular uh, attendance figures of two, 3,000, and that's the Brazilian first division. So it, it really can vary around the world depending on, on where you go. What is, the, what is the measuring stick for success for the NASL or MLS? 
is it is it the Premier League? I don't think so. That yeah. seems that's foolhardy. That's foolhardy. So what is it? What is the uh, you know end game success uh, or not end game necessarily? But what is the the sort of the yardstick that you have to set a, as an intermediate goal between here and the Premier League? Is it to become you know the Bundesliga, the, the you know La Liga, League One? Or is it one of these leagues like that are, that are on the in the Western Hemisphere in the Mexican, Argentinian, or or Brazilian league where you can see? I mean, I see a lot of comparisons between the NASL MLS dynamic and those those countries where you not where you have not just the League Cup, uh, you have the state and national championship that goes along with uh, that that a tremendous amount of pride. Is, is is derived from for for the clubs in those countries. Um, that's something that I think you know you don't see in Europe because of the Champions League. Everything is about right. how good can you get so that you can be so that you can play in the Champions League and succeed in the Champions League. Um, I think it's different here on this on this continent where the Concacaf Champions League is not a big deal. Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, it won't be a big deal until a non-Mexican team wins it, and even the Mexican teams that win it, they don't take the competition that seriously, right? I mean, it's secondary to, 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 to their league play. It's secondary to some other things they do. But here's here's another uh, angle. I, 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 I'm glad to see I've already convinced you and, won, and completely won you over to my side. Yeah, on the CONCACAF thing, yes. But uh, here, here's, here's, a, here's another angle on this. Is it fair for owners that have um, not invested in their clubs or paid the kind of fee to get into a league and they've gotten into a D2 league to save money. And I I agree that that the cost for an MLS franchise is exorbitant. But based on what we saw in Forbes, their valuations, which I don't know how they come up with that. I'm quite surprised by the valuations of MLS clubs because there's plenty to not like about Major League Soccer. We're going to get into that in the show. There's plenty to not like about that league. But um, do you think it's fair uh, that uh, we could have two, potentially two first divisions in this country. Should we have two first divisions in this country? Uh, or should or should owners have to take the same path as those teams I mentioned in, that, in the outset? And um, uh, Minnesota now in NASL, Orlando from USL, uh, they've gone to MLS. Uh, should, should you have to go through that path, or should you be able to go to another league and claim first division status? I mean, that's a, that's a fine line when you don't have promotion and relegation, right? It is. It is a fine line, but uh, where is the mandate coming from? Where is the uh, sort of the guide, the, the guiding hand coming from? Is it coming from U.S. soccer? Not really. Not from the Federation. Yeah. Uh, they seem uh, unwilling. Uh, they don't. They seem completely unwilling to draw a line in the sand and say, uh, you know, this is this and that is that. This is, uh, you know, first. They are unwilling to lead. They are unwilling to lead unless they are forced into into this position. Okay, so let's even get to the fact that NASL and I said at the outset, NASL did a lot of things at the second division level that USL didn't do. They didn't improve the standards for division two. Now, I give them credit for running that league for a year. But Ken, they didn't do anything to improve second division until uh, some of the owners that now make up the NASL. Uh, or and some of them got the MLS, right? Vancouver, Montreal, uh, but uh, Miami FC with now Fort Lauderdale Strikers, Carolina, Minnesota, a couple of these teams said, wait a second. Look at the way second division is being run. USL is running second division like it is a youth league. They didn't, U.S. soccer should have led on that, and they're not willing to lead on this now. 
there really wasn't a second division. There was just MLS and then every everything else. Right. You had your your teams that had that were not MLS teams, but had success locally because they had a fan base that they could cater to and maintain a club on small on small budgets without having to um, worry about competing with you know major leagues of of all sports like the MLS is now having to do. They're having they're faced with comparisons. Uh, between themselves, television rating comparisons between them and Premier League on NBC Sports, between them and college bowl games. Yeah. Uh, and they lose every week to the Premier League. I mean, even last week with this New York-LA game, it did substantially worse. And that's the most highest-profile game, right, that MLS thinks they have is New York, New York City FC against the Galaxy. It, it did worse in the ratings than uh, even the, uh, the, the 8.30 a.m. game on USA Network. Uh, that day, <laughs> that 18, 8.30 a.m. Premier League game, and then did far worse than the Man City Everton game on NBCSN. Uh, but but continue. Yeah, it's you know the biggest uh, right now. The biggest uh, commercial television draw are the United States women. If we're being if we're being honest, right? Because the, just the what is the what is the quality? Where is the quality of soccer that the men are playing that needs? Everyone that needs the, the you that needs the U.S. sports fan to pay attention to it. Where is that quality happening? You know, is it happening in on the Cosmos Field? Is it happening with the LA Galaxy? No, it's I not mean, happening in any of those places. It, Maybe it'll happen with the Galaxy. Yeah. I don't know, but it's not it's not happening in MLS with the exception of the Galaxy, and it's not happening with the Cosmos, right? I mean, uh, uh, I, I go to I go to every Orlando City home game, bar a few, and the the, the, the standard. Kaka plays, that is wonderful for me to watch as a, as a lover of this sport. Uh, but the other 21 guys playing on the field, uh, other than Kaka, unless you get a Javinko or somebody, unless you're playing Toronto, it, it's, 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 I, it's not that discernible from, I mean, the level is better than NASL, it's better than USL, there's no question about it. But it's not, I mean, it's not, it's, it doesn't satisfy me. Yeah, and that's just, that's just what, I'm, what I'm trying to get across is, uh, when you look at the comparisons between MLS and ASL, uh, you know, now there's a clear delineation in talent between first division, second division, third division, fourth division. You know, you can, you can see that in, uh, a lot of, in a lot of the results of, you know, U.S. Open Cup play, um, where the third division USL clubs that are not the, you know, not the outliers or the, you know, the bigger, the bigger, ish usl clubs uh generally do not defeat uh you know nasl clubs and the same thing with nasl clubs not being able to regularly defeat mls clubs um although so, although uh, yeah right except this year in the open cup yeah. it's kind of the opposite where uh usl won all seven or won six of the seven matchups against nasl the seventh went to penalty kicks and usl won it on penalty kicks nasl's record against mls in the Open Cup is actually better than its record against USL over the course of the last three seasons. That's that's an unbelievable statistic. It, it kind of defies logic. And it also tells us that MLS teams are probably playing watered-down squads against NASL, and NASL squads are playing watered-down squads, squads against uh, USL, right? That's, that's the guess. Because there's right, nothing I tangible for winning the U.S. Open Cup. You don't get anything out of it unless you win it, right? You don't get anything out of going, like, three rounds deep in the U.S. Open Cup. It's not like the FA Cup. Sorry, but it's not. Yeah, uh, uh, finish that point, Ken, and then we're having some connection problems with you, so we're going to let you go. But but uh, the point you were making about Bill Peterson and USSF? Yeah, 
Yeah, I just uh, well, I, I just think that uh, it's gonna take it's gonna take time, and there's a we've come a long way, honestly, in in these last five you know five six years, and it's it's no question about it. See where it's gonna go. If you would have told me five years ago that we would have been here having this discussion with the leagues in the positions they are and the teams in the positions they are, I would have, I wouldn't have believed you. You know, so it's it's worth it's worth looking at and sort of keeping it going. Uh, I'm interested to hear the feedback from the fans and what uh, you know what their thoughts are, and we can comment uh, about it again. Uh, on another show. I look forward to it. Yeah, I look forward to it also, Ken. Thank you for joining us. Uh, sorry about the, the connection issues. And Ken will most likely be joining me for a Ravelcast of an NASL game, the biggest rivalry in NASL history, if you include the earlier NASL, Tampa Bay and New York Cosmos next Saturday from Al Lang Stadium in St. Petersburg. Ken, thank you. Have a great rest of the night, and we'll uh, we'll speak with you soon. Thank you. Good night. Good night. So. So let's continue on here on Divers and Cheats. We want to hear what you think about this topic. I've got a couple more points to make. I know I'm an equal opportunity offender here, so let's let's get to it. MLS has not captured the imagination of, of soccer fans in this country the way it should, considering how popular the sport has become. It has not captured the imagination of people who are – uh, getting up at 7 in the morning and turning on NBC Sports Network or turning on USA Network or whoever's showing Premier League games. Uh, it, is, it hasn't satisfied the imagination of people who are watching the Classico on BN Sports, watching La Liga. It just hasn't connected with that larger audience. But MLS has improved in the last few years. It's market penetration. But the television ratings, uh, we have a tweet which, which indicates the LA Seattle ratings were higher than any Premier League game that weekend. This is an argument I've had with folks. When Seattle plays or Portland plays, it's cool. It's cool to watch MLS on television because those have atmospheres, authentic atmospheres. I'm sorry, I hear the Galaxy is this great, successful team. The Home Depot Center is one of the lamest places I've ever watched a, a, a football match. It's even lamer than some of the NFL stadiums that used to host matches in MLS. So the atmosphere is never particularly good at the Home Depot Center. Uh, the Galaxy, for all their stars and for the name and the big market, uh, they don't draw even eyeballs around this country on television the way Seattle does. You, you, you're flipping channels, channel surfing. You see a game in Portland, you see a game in Seattle, you think it's cool. You see a game in New York or in L.A., you know, why are you going to watch that? Why are you going to stop and, and keep watching that? So I'm not surprised the game involving Seattle had higher ratings. I've had this argument with many people in the game when I've said, if I'm ESPN and I'm Fox before, if I'm ESPN and I'm NBCSN, I'm sure I'm Portland and Seattle every week. Maybe Kansas City also. Great atmosphere there. L.A., they don't have anything. I, Home Depot Center is terrible. It's, uh, it's supposedly a soccer-specific stadium. We're told it is, but it's a multi-purpose facility where, uh, with a soccer pitch that fits. But you can also have the X Games and lacrosse, and you can tear up the pitch and, and then claim it's soccer-specific. Terrible venue. Can't stand that place, personally. So let's, let's talk about this. USL was running second and third division, 2009. They're not doing a good job of it, quite frankly. There's a lot of good professional people in USL, but division two, the, the standards weren't there. There wasn't the commitment level. It was being run. Some teams like Rochester and Charleston were being run on a very high level. Other teams like, uh, uh, other teams like Cleveland City. Remember Cleveland City Stars? 
They weren't being run at a high level. So these owners break away. They formed the North American Soccer League. They have created an environment, and that includes traffic sports. We'll get into them in a minute. They have created an environment where USL has had to adjust to the marketplace, as Ken talked about. They've had to turn around. They've had to roll up their sleeves, and they've had to work with their franchises. They've had to work with their teams. USL is now at a point where they feel like they can apply for second division status again. I think USL has a lot of great clubs that should be second division clubs. Love to see Charleston at the second division level again. I'd love to see Rochester at the second division level again. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder belong there. I'm oh, sorry, Oklahoma City Energy, excuse me. Uh, I think uh, uh, it'd be great to see Richmond at a second division level again. However, I don't think MLS reserve teams should be in the second division. We can get into that conversation. If you guys who are listening have an opinion about that, feel free to leave a comment. Feel free to interact with me at Twitter, at KKFLA737. We'll be with you for another half an hour or so discussing this issue. But I really believe the NASL had a massive impact in improving what happened at the second division level. But, so we talked about with Ken, we got to a point where there was a great deal of hubris all of a sudden in NASL. Let me look at that mission statement again and give you a taste of it. A couple points. NASL serving as this region's second division. Right now, if you go to NASL's website, if you read one of their press releases, there's no mention of second division. No acknowledgement of where they are in the pyramid. NASL at this point is taking pride in Montreal going to MLS. I have a lot of pride in that because I worked in NASL at the time. We developed a good team and a great market for MLS. It's helped soccer in North America. It's helped soccer in Canada. Helped grow the game in Quebec. Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, same deal. Same deal with Orlando, although they went USL. Same deal with Minnesota. But when the Cosmos joined, the priorities changed. So we get comments from Bill Peterson, the commissioner of the NASL, basically implying, strongly implying, these aren't subtle implications, strongly implying that NASL can be competitive with MLS on the field and they can play anyone in the world. Yet, in seven competitive matches against USL clubs, third division clubs this season, NASL didn't win a single game. They lost six of them. They drew the one, but they ended up losing on penalty kicks. It's a pretty bad record. There's no, there's no misinterpreting that record. That's a bad record. Statistically improbable, quite frankly. So that's that, 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 that that's a point. We, we, we see Seamus O'Brien, owner of the Cosmos, saying within five years, NASL, whose owners, and we're going to get into some of the NASL clubs in a minute, NASL can rival MLS. So let's, let's look at this. Major League Soccer now asks for $100 million to join the league. The owners of MLS clubs are all billionaires. 
they're all able to sustain a club during the course of the season, spend what's needed to market locally, spend what's needed to compete on the field, with the exception of a few exceptions. We, we, we can talk about Chicago and Colorado, right? Colorado's owner is not poor. He's obviously spent a lot of money on Arsenal, or generating a lot of revenue there. Uh, but he's got the Colorado Avalanche and the, uh, the Denver um, the, uh, Denver Nuggets also to worry about. And, of course, uh, Chicago, Mr. Hoffman, is a decidedly MLS 1.0 owner. Probably the final MLS 1.0 owner. Because there were a lot of MLS owners that were just getting by in the 1996-2005 time period. Now, Hoffman didn't buy the team from AEG until 2007, but he's, he, he doesn't have the resources to keep this thing going at a high level. But every other MLS owner does. Can complain about the way FC Dallas is run? Clark Hunt has the money. Every other MLS owner does. They can compete at a high level in this sport. Clubs aren't going to go out of business in the middle of the season. Now, of course, single entity prevents that, and we can talk about single entity shortly. Now, let's look at NASL. NASL has a league-owned team in Atlanta that was uh, independently owned for one season, was owned by Traffic Sports for, for three seasons before that. Traffic Sports owns Carolina Railhawks still. I think everybody who's listening to this program knows the kind of trouble they're in with the DOJ, uh, with the law in general. And the question marks that adds on the, over the league, and, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, because obviously there are real issues around traffic sports. We learned something about Camp Bay Rowdies in the last week. First off, they had two of the best soccer people, maybe the, the two best soccer people in the state of Florida, arguably, two of the top five. Three of the top five were working in NASL. If you include Thomas and Farouk Karashi, both sacked last week by Tampa Bay, Tommy Mulroy, who was let go by the Fort Lauderdale Strikers in November. We're the best soccer people, all let go by teams in the state of Florida. Then Bill Edwards, the owner of Tampa Bay, makes himself the general manager, and he's also, according to published reports in the Tampa Bay Times, facing some unflattering allegations and a lawsuit related to his business. Minnesota, they're leaving NASL. They're going to MLS. They're not buying this nonsense. Dr. Bill McGuire, who's, by the way, a great owner. He's a model owner. As is his son-in-law, Nick Rogers, who's the president of that team. I have a lot of time for those guys. They, um, they, they, they've seen enough of the charade. They're going to move on to MLS. Oklahoma City and Virginia didn't work out for NASL. They, they announced both those expansion teams. I, I presume they got an expansion fee from those clubs, which is great. Hasn't worked out. I don't know what they're going to do about Atlanta. We talked about Atlanta. They've got an MLS team going in. I don't know who's going to buy that team, but right now it's a league-owned team. And I don't know that the, the league owners want to continue to support that team. Indy's a great situation for uh, NASL if they can get a stadium. Same thing with Jacksonville. If they can get a stadium, both of those two teams are playing in rented facilities now. One team that does have a stadium and can draw, can almost fill that stadium every weekend, San Antonio. San Antonio, geographically, is surrounded now by about four or five USL teams. 
and they're paying a lot of money for travel. They have to fly. They, they don't have a single bus trip in this league. They have to fly everywhere. I mean, even in MLS, most of the teams have bus trips. Orlando does it because of uh, uh, they're geographically isolated, but they'll have bus trips next year. They, San Antonio doesn't have a single bus trip in NASL. Their travel costs are astronomical. Yet there's a USL team 70 miles down the road. There'll be a USL team in Dallas next year. There'll be a USL team in the Rio Grande Valley next year. There's a USL team in Oklahoma City. Oh, a USL team in Tulsa. So San Antonio, I don't know what they do long term. And obviously they're in NASL now, but maybe, maybe if USL's Division Two, that's tempting for them. Or maybe, more likely, and MLS says we got a great thing going. If we can add San Antonio, we have a triangle of teams in Texas, and we can grab them. So this is this is the thing. My what I'm trying to paint out there. I'm not trying to trying to rip NASL to pieces. I'm trying to I'm trying to paint a picture of a league that is not stable with most of its teams yet. They're just not there yet. Cosmos are very stable. Cosmos are great. They're the biggest, they're the biggest club name in North America. They're the biggest name in, uh, in well, maybe, I, when I, I shouldn't say North America. It's club America's bigger name. Cosmos are the biggest name in, 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 in the U.S. or Canada. Okay? Full stop. Los Angeles Galaxy probably second now. They've got the brand. But these other NASL teams, it, 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 it's, it's kind of nickel and dime stuff in some cases. Edmonton is another one, geographically isolated. And do they want to be paying D1 wages to players? So these are the kinds of questions around this. But let's look at the flip side of this argument. Major League Soccer. There are so many, and, and, and I have a problem with the absolutism of this debate and the number of people in this debate who you either have to be on the NASL side or you have to be on the MLS side. And you can't, uh, you, there's no gray area, and there's no recognition of the fact that there are, there are some NASL players who are still basically semi-pro players. I, I love all the players in the league, but some of them have second jobs, third jobs. That's a reality. That may not be a reality on the New York Cosmos or the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who have high payrolls, but it's probably a reality on each of the other nine teams in the league. I don't know, I, actually, I don't know about how much Jacksonville pays players, but uh, it's a reality on, on most of the teams in the league. They're just not paying very much. Now, that was a reality in MLS seven, eight years ago. David Beckham coming to the league forced changes. But under the MLS model, NASL model, because it's all team-driven, you can have the Cosmos come in and raise the standard of the Cosmos. And you hope that competition would encourage teams to spend at the Cosmos level. But it hasn't. It just simply hasn't. But let's look at MLS. Let's just get back to the fundamental point. We have all these people in this country watching this sport, watching Liga MX, watching the Premier League. We have mainstream celebrities, mainstream sports personalities tweeting out pictures of themselves in Chelsea shirts or Manchester City shirts or Real Madrid shirts. They're not doing that with the New York Red Bulls. They're not tweeting out pictures of themselves with Houston Dynamo shirts on. Or LA Galaxy. City of Angels, City of Stars. They're not. The Galaxy have not penetrated that market. This is one of the great misconceptions that MLS, people who love MLS talk about. Oh, the LA Galaxy, they've got, they've got this great support in LA. No, they don't. 
Okay? You look at the local television ratings for Galaxy games on, on their local affiliates there, 0.5, 0.6. Salt Lake, they get like five or six share in their market. They've penetrated their market. Real Salt Lake has. The good work of Garth Lagerway before he left and went to Seattle. But, uh, <laughs> the Galaxy happened. Gal Ga the Galaxy, and I think MLS knows this. This is why MLS constantly changes their rules for the Galaxy, right? It's not because they have to, it's not because they just have to keep winning more and they like Bruce Arena and they like full land shoots. It's because the only way they're relevant in that market is if they, if they win every year. They win everything every year. Because people simply don't care. There are probably more people in Los Angeles getting up in the morning to watch Chelsea games that actually are concerned about what the Galaxy do later that night. Full stop on that. So that's where I think the owners of the Cosmos and the Rowdies and, and some of these NASL people feel like they have an opening. I, mean, I, I see that. Very clearly see that. But the NASL is a flawed product right now. Flawed messenger. Traffic Sports per an article written by Brian Corstead in Northern Pitch, owns at least 67% of Class B shares, which includes veto power, in the North American Soccer League. And I, I think we all are aware that traffic is driving force behind this league, putting money into this league, investing in this league. Traffic Sports is a shady company. I don't want to hear the excuses from some of the NASL absolutists, most of whom are Cosmos fans, by the way, saying, oh, well, it's unfortunate they have to do this stuff to compete because of Soccer United marketing. They, they, have, to do, they have to do this stuff because it was closed shop MLS. They have to bribe people. They have to pull all kinds of strings to do that. And I don't want to hear the excuses that somehow – NAS, uh, MLS and USSF, or, 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 excuse me, okay, let me separate it. That MLS is in this scandal as deep as NASL, because they are not. This is a scandal that affects NASL much more profoundly than it affects Major League Soccer. The traffic thing is serious, and I, I think most NASL fans, they, they realize this, but there are certain aggressive ones, vigilant ones on Twitter and on other elements of social media, that don't want to believe this. Now I took the USSF out of that statement because I think the USSF has a lot of questions to answer about uh, this FIFA scandal. I don't know if the USSF has no involvement in the scandal or if the USSF has minor involvement or if the USSF, quite frankly, has more involvement than traffic in, in uh, NASL. Still, Galati's not ask, answering any questions about this, and this is a topic for another day. I'm divers and cheats, but Sunil, he doesn't still want to talk about it. Let's get some, some of your comments here. And I apologize for the new interface on Ravel. I know it's confused a lot of people today. Um, Don Garbage says, so much to say, especially about the L.A. sports fans in general. I like that. Yeah, I, and I don't think I, I don't think MLS is doing well in L.A. Um, I just don't. Maybe LAFC captures it. The galaxy happened. But, of course, you're trying to... Uh, um, I think uh, 
MLS, and Don Garber says, I think you tweeted it out the other day, MLS is looking top heavy with the Galaxy and NYFCs. Okay, so let's talk about competitive balance for a bit. Games are more interesting in NESL right now than in MLS. This weekend, I mean, yesterday was Cosmos Ottawa. That was an interesting game, important game, top two teams in the league as of this moment to change any moment. It's, this weekend, I'm looking at the fixtures. I mean, I'm, I'm much more interested in what's going on in NASL. I cover Orlando, so I'll be at the Orlando game against uh, against uh, Chicago, which is a game between two bottom feeders right now. But there is not the competitiveness in any MLS that you would think would come with single entity and parity. Right? The parity that would come with single entity? The Galaxy, Seattle, Toronto... They all spent basically four times as much on player salaries as, as, as uh, Dallas is right now. Uh, well, maybe not than Dallas, but uh, as Chicago after they've let Maloney go, uh, three or four times as much as Columbus. Certainly three or four times as much as Colorado. So this idea of a salary cap, and it's, the MLS has got a salary cap. There's parity, and it's going to be competitive. Now, it's been competitive because Salt Lake had a really good GM and Garth Lagerway. It's been competitive because Kansas City has a great owner, Rob Heinemann, and uh, an unbelievably good coach for uh, an American coach, maybe the only unbelievably good coach in Major League Soccer uh, in Peter Vermees. And Kansas City has a real scouting network. They scout NASL games. They scout USL games. They're bringing the best players to that club. That's why they're competitive. Now, if you think it's because of single entity, it's not. Because right now, the Galaxy are getting to spend four times as much money as Kansas City is. They're getting to change the rules midseason to get new players. Pretty soon, the disparity in spending between top MLS clubs and the bottom MLS clubs will be the same gap they are in major European leagues and top divisions in Europe. If you take out newly promoted teams like Warner. You will have the same disparity in spending in MLS, the same ratio of disparity that you do between Chelsea or Manchester City or Manchester United and uh, at the top level and West Brom or Aston Villa in this new era under Randy Lurie. Randy Lurie bought the team, obviously American owner, former Cleveland Browns owner, MBNA credit card company out of Delaware. He spent a lot of money, spent too much money, and he realized it wasn't he was he was bleeding cash, but. The gap's going to be there. It's going to be the same gap. So that's, I think, a very, very serious thing. When you look at NASL, I'm concerned that Tampa Bay and New York are spending too much money. But the league is still competitive. And I'll tell you why the league is more competitive than the MLS. Because the Cosmos are outspending teams three or four to one. The Rowdies are. Actually, I'm not sure that the Cosmos spend more money than the Rowdies. Looking at the Rowdies squad, I don't know. I, the NASL doesn't publish their salaries. MLS does, or the MLS players union does. But I think actually, if you take Senna and Raul out of it, Tampa Bay is spending, is spending more money on their team. I'm pretty sure they are. But I'll tell you why it's more competitive. They're better tactical coaches in the NASL. So this is a good, this is a good point from Christopher. Um, because spending in MLS is limited to a few players, total salary is a little misleading. More accurate parity measure is median salary. Sporting Kansas City actually leads the median salary. Thank you for that. That's actually a, a very good point. Um, still, 
I don't see the competitiveness in games. I think there's uh, – and Kansas City, again, is an exception. Burmese coaches them. Uh, Salt Lake was an exception. Uh, I don't know if it was because Price was the coach, but I think it was more because Garth was their, their GM. But the rich get richer in MLS now. Garth Lager will leave Salt Lake and he goes to Seattle. Seattle's already set up perfectly. And I didn't even begin to think with, with their budget, Seattle's budget, what can Garth do? Maybe he can build the first real super club to come out of Major League Soccer. The first internationally relevant – club from North America since the, since the New York Cosmos. Maybe. Maybe Garth Lagerwey can do that in Seattle. But, again, if he's able to do that in Seattle, that debunks the notion of single entity being a great equalizer. Um, it was a great equalizer at one point. But um, So I, I'd like to hear what some NASL fans think about my critique of the league's ownership. They still have the traffic issue. I don't know how they're offsetting that. I really don't. Atlanta? What's it? What's NASL going to do with Atlanta? Are they going to keep a team in Atlanta and battle MLS in that market? On some, out of some ideological zeal, some ideological crusade to take on MLS? They're going to take on Arthur Blank? They're going to take on cannons with spitballs? That's what that is. It's madness if they stay in Atlanta. I'm on the record saying that. What are they going to do about Carolina? They need to find an owner there. I hope that's progressive because that's a nice market. It's a well-run team. Kurt Johnson, former, actually the former GM of Kansas City, uh, he left when Heinemann took over. He was GM for many years under Lamar Hunt. When Lamar Hunt owned the team, the late Lamar Hunt, uh, who, by the way, deserves a lot of credit for this, uh, for, the, for, for what's happened in soccer in this country. So I want to get back to that point, actually, before we wrap up. I know we kind of fall into place with this. What entitles NESL owners who have invested relatively little in their clubs to be put at the same level as MLS? This talk that there should be co-division ones. And I know, and I know folks in NASL at clubs who are telling me, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're, there's nothing prohibiting two D1s. We will eventually apply for D1 status down the road. And I, and I guess we got a hint from Seamus O'Brien that it's, maybe it's less than five years down the road. I don't know if it's three years, four years, five years. I'm assuming it's not next year. But what, what, what makes, um, when you look at MLS, we went through all the ownerships. We said Colorado, they don't spend enough, but they certainly have the resources. Chicago, uh, I, I think, uh, I, I think uh, he's the one exception. But with those two exceptions, why would NESL be hiring a headhunter to go, as I reported a couple months ago, to, to go find an ownership group in Chicago? Why are they interested in the Los Angeles market? It's because they want to be D1. So the thing I think we need to establish is D2 leagues should be in places like Omaha, should be in places like Dimoy, should be in places like Albuquerque, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Phoenix has a team in USL. Detroit is the, you know, I mean, everybody is, 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 is excited because somebody, Detroit is going to be in one of these professional leagues, right? Detroit City FC, which is the hottest story in American soccer from the NPSL. So Detroit obviously is a big market and that's an MLS level market, but they probably, like everybody else, are going to have to walk their way through. So maybe Detroit goes to NASL or USL first and then ends up in uh, um MLS down the road, but uh, the other markets that are out there, Hartford, Des Moines, Omaha, 
uh, Nashville. Louisville now is a team. Uh, Louisville will, will be an independent team next year. They're, they're, they're losing their affiliation with Orlando City. Orlando's going to put a USL team in the market, but Louisville's a good market. Cincinnati's getting a team next year in USL. These are the types of markets Division II League should be in. Atlanta, now that they're going MLS, I, I don't think US, uh, NASL needs to stay there. New York, we've talked about that one. Although the Cosmos are the Cosmos, so they, they, they should be allowed to hang around, obviously. Um, they're certainly more authentic than NYCFC. They certainly have more authentic fans than New York City FC. Um, I don't know that there are any authentic New York City FC fans. There are people who think they like the club. See if they like the club here from now. They have no track record. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. But I still don't get why none of these people were Red Bull fans when that club's been around for 20 years, or Metro Stars fans. Um, but the Tampa Bay market's a very big market, top 15 uh, TV market in the country. But there's no MLS team there anymore. There used to be one, but there isn't one anymore. So that's, that's okay. But if you look at Chicago, where they want to go, Los Angeles, where they want to go, San Francisco, where they want to go, although San Francisco might work because of uh, uh, the, the team in that market in MLS is now stuck in San Jose. I always thought the Quakes would end up in Oakland when Blue Wolf bought them, but that didn't happen. So um, it's probably okay if they go in there. But why are they persisting with some of these markets? What's happened is they've allowed USL. MLS has allowed US. excuse me, NASL has allowed USL to um, scoop up all these second-tier markets, Cincinnati's. They'll get Nashville before NASL does. I'm pretty confident with that. They'll get Omaha before NASL does. They'll get, um, they, they, they've, already, they've already taken the, uh, the, the, the Southern Texas uh, uh, team that I thought would be area that would be great for NASL. But they, they've gotten uh, uh, some of these just fantastic markets, Tulsa, Oklahoma City. Although NASL tried for that list, but it's not fault NASL on that one. Uh, but that was that. Those are the kinds of markets you need to be in at the lower division level. Colorado Springs, I guess it's working so far. Steve Kutcher there, is their manager, former Rapids player. I don't know if that's a big enough market, uh, but it seems to be working so far for USL. But those are the kinds of markets lower division should be in. So let's get to some of your comments again. Um. C-U-V-I-N-T-U in, uh, uh, on Twitter says that, disagree, what should it, it should have looked like? League surviving and thriving 20 years later in a country with numerous popular pro sports and growing every year. Seems like it's doing great. Uh, from an economic standpoint, MLS is doing great. I mean, I actually think that, uh, I actually think that um, Major League Soccer is, from an economic standpoint, one of the best investments you can make. In the football world. I don't like single entity. I hate it as a fan. But as an investor, I would buy an MLS team before I bought a team in England. Not well, as an investor, but see, I'm a, I'm a football fan, right? I'm a soccer fan, so I, I would rather buy Aston Villa, I'd rather buy Leeds United than buy the Colorado Rapids. But if you're not, if you're just a straight businessman, you buy an MLS team. There's certain securities in owning a team within single entity. And you make all this money off of soccer and marketing. So, yeah, I think from a business standpoint, I agree. I think, uh, I think MLS is very strong. Uh, but does that improve the soccer product? I don't know. I, I, I'm not seeing it. And I, I, when I say it hasn't captured the imagination, it has not captured the imagination of soccer fans in this country. Full stop. I mean, it, it's, there, there's, a, there's a culture on MLS. But can 
consistently, and I, I take the, the point, uh, I can't take out the LAC, I don't care, but consistently the ratings for Premier League games are high. Consistently the games for Liga and uh, the ratings for uh, Liga MX games are high. Now, of course, you could say that's an ethnic audience. Okay, so I'll give Brett that. Why are the Premier League ratings higher than the MLS ratings in the United States consistently on television? When the Premier League, the, the people who are watching the Premier League, they're not all English expats. The vast majority of them are not. A lot of them are suburban, white middle class and upper middle class, people between the ages of 19 and 40, 19 and 45, I think, is, is the demographic, that have, and a lot of them in the MLS cities. I'm, I'm shocked, as well as Orlando's doing. I'm, I've been stunned by this the last couple of weeks as I've discovered this. There, was even a, there are even people in Orlando who don't follow Orlando City that are Americans that are watching the Premier League. Saturday and Sunday mornings. And, and um, the same thing in Seattle. There are even people there that don't go to the Sounders games, but they're watching MLS, uh, they're watching Premier League games. In LA and New York, it's widespread. In Chicago, it's the whole town. Because the Chicago Fire are relevant in that market. So that's my point. Philadelphia is another market. Maybe it's because the union play out in Chester. At least the fourth largest television market in the country. And uh, MLS is doing okay there. Not doing great. Doing better than they're doing in Chicago there. Uh, Boston, that's another market. There are more people who are fans of Liverpool and Boston than are fans of the New England Revolution. Full stop. There are more people who are fans of Chelsea, I believe, in Los Angeles than there are really Galaxy fans. Real Galaxy fans. Committed Galaxy fans. Not the casuals who show up at that at that horrible stadium. So that's kind of where I where I think it is. I think obviously NASL has all of these flaws, and I think they're a flawed messenger, and they need to focus on their business, and they need to focus on being Division 2, and they sell the Division 2 level. So anyway, let's wrap up here. Comments have been great. Uh, apologize for the audio from Ken earlier. This is an ongoing conversation, obviously, uh, that we will continue to have. If you enjoyed this broadcast of Divers and Cheats, uh, this episode, uh, let me give a shout-out to our sponsor. I'm sure you've enjoyed this episode. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. Uh, our, our sponsor that made it possible is Ravel.tv. If you're not familiar with Ravel, it's a completely new way of experiencing sports. The concept is simple. The next time you want to watch your favorite soccer team on television, they're tired of the announcers because they're biased against your team, of which some people probably think I am, particularly uh, fans of, of some teams, Los Angeles Galaxy, <laughs> going to have no love for me after this broadcast, or simply aren't that good, press the mute button and head over to Ravel.tv and listen to a real fan's audio broadcast of the game. So we'll catch you next week. Once again, I'm Carter Krishner. Interact with me at Twitter at, at KKFLA737. Rabble TV is at Rabble TV. And World Soccer Talk is at World Soccer Talk. Thank you once again, and enjoy your football.